this day our daily bread. Let's turn to him for word of prayer. Lord, I just pray all of you, none of me, to preach to your people. We are your, we are your servants. Speak to our hearts right now, Lord, for we are listening is our prayer. Amen. Amen. Dealing with this model prayer that many of us know, uh, some call it the Lord's Prayer. But I highlight again to share that when his disciples came to him saying, teach us how to pray, he gave them this model to teach them how to pray. If you want to see the Lord's Prayer again, I tell you, turn to the Gospel according to John, the 17th chapter, you'll see the Lord praying. But here in this text, we've talked about so far how we, who our, our prayer is directed to in our adoration and to our, our Father, hallowed be thy name. We talked about how our Father is where in heaven, which means he is everywhere. How we desire for his name to be made holy, not only by him, but through us and in us. Therefore, we ask for his kingdom come, his will be done. And when we looked at the kingdom, we realized that the evidence of the kingdom of God is amongst us. When he says, when I am removing demons, which points out to us that when you see deliverance, you're seeing evidence of the kingdom. Anybody here been saved? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. That's evidence of the kingdom. The king is here. And since the kingdom is here and we desire for his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, now we're moving to see how much more we desire, not just for his will be done, but what give us this day, our daily bread. This fourth petition moves from us looking at what God can only do himself to, again, how much more we depend God to only do what he can do himself, is give us this day our daily bread. In thinking about this, I'm thinking about how asking our Father for daily bread sounds beautiful, dependent to our God, doesn't it? But yet living in this society where abundance, choices, and upgrading is a constant option, that contentment and looking for just a daily thing has, now, has no longer become the norm. Instead, we see advertisement that encourage us that what you have is not good enough, so you need an upgrade. You see a new shoe, you need, see a new suit, you see a new phone, and all of a sudden you have a sudden urge to add it to your collection. You might have a friend that has been satisfied with their flip-up phone, that they don't text, uh, they don't check their email, they don't send out pictures of anything, they just happy to answering their phone, but you always encourage them that they need to upgrade and get a better phone because uh, you have been in, you have already been indoctrinated that that's not good enough, that you need to step it up. Uh, tell your neighbor, I'm trying to be content. And when we're trying to be content, we start looking at how everybody else has something that looks a little bit better, but you just say, I'm good with good enough. I know every time I see a car pass me by with a newer tag and a newer emblem with a newer interior, but I look at my car saying it's good enough. Tell you now, I'm trying to be content. Because I would like to look in my garage and see a new car. Hello, somebody. I, 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 I would like that, but I'm trying to be content. Because I look at the situation, how it says that if one was to stop and to take inventory of what they truly do have, they may find out that one has more than what they really think they have. 
you find out you got a closet full of clothes when you bought that new suit. Got to make room to put that new one in. Hello, somebody. <laughs> you find out that you got a pantry full of food after you came home from the restaurant. Trying to see where you're going to put the leftover, but you got no room in the fridge. Hello, somebody. That if we start looking at everything in our situation, we might find out that everything that we see, we don't need. But find out I might be all right at my house. Tell your neighbor, I'm trying to be content. The reason why it's hard for us to be content because there's a vice out there, there's a germ out there, there's a disease out there, there's a cancer, you know, cancer grows out there that gets to us that we don't know we even attracted it because we don't acknowledge it. What you talking about, past? I'm glad you asked. I'm talking about the love of money. We don't act like we got it because we don't say we love it, but yet if you start looking at the symptoms, 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10 says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. You say, I don't have the love of money. Well, let me give you what the symptoms are. The symptoms are that you just want more stuff. It may not you want more greenbacks. You just want more stuff. Because you don't need greenbacks to get stuff. You just go get you another credit card. Charge it up on the account. You just go and make it apply. That's why everybody says to you nowadays on the commercials, no credit check needed. Letting you know, you don't have any money, no problem. We got credit, we'll give it to you. But it reminds me of the homeboy shopping that would take y'all back to a living color days. They says, no, no, no money, problem. Because <laughs> they was dealing with more money, more money, more money. They, they didn't care about, you have no credit, no problem. Got no checks, no problem. They said, no money, problem. Because they want straight cash, homie. And when you look at it, that many of us have seen it, that maybe I'm not after the greenbacks, I may not be after the credit cards, but if you start looking how we start filling up our houses, you know that stuff's not free. That we're never content, oh, I need a new couch. I need new shoes. I need a new tie. I need a new watch. I need new earrings. I need new, you need something new because for some reason the, the gloss, the shine of what you used to have has faded and it's no longer catching the eye like it used to. Or you saw somebody else have what you want and you think about how I, I got to get it. But yet this just leads to disaster. It does not bring contentment. It does not bring satisfaction. It only brings desire. You see that it says the root of all kinds of evil is the love of money. And I said that this symptom, we, may, we don't know that we have this vice because we don't love money. For example, somebody wants to give you $100, you say, I'm good. I'm, I'm good, but you go out, to, go out for a shopping for yourself, you, you good buying a whole bunch of stuff. Because the symptoms that we, 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 we can justify, I don't play the lottery. I don't gamble. I don't do these kind of things, so I don't love money. But yet if I follow you home. And start pricing the things you have in your house. And start asking what I could borrow. I'm going to find out what you really like. 
For where a man's heart, there is treasures. For example, my little baby brother would like to play with all my toys because I had the cool toys. And so he found out how much I loved him when I didn't let him play with my toys. <laughs> Stay out of my room, boy. And he started crying and be upset. And I started realizing that I'm treating my toys better than I'm treating my little baby brother. And then, then, then once I let them play with my toys, they all started getting, the, you know, broken. He looked at me with a sad face, showed me the broken toy, but I had to, come, I had to calm myself down and just hug him and say, it's okay, I love you better than that toy. Because it made me realize that I, I do look like the accumulation of things and toys, but yet when I look at what's really important, hello somebody that I realize the value I place on this inanimate object is not worth the value of what's breathing and living. Anybody have a phone call from somebody in an accident and they was in your car? How you care about this is going to show up in that conversation. What you do to my car? Or did you ask, are you okay? It shows you your preference that are you mad about the car or are you mad that they almost got hurt? So where's your love at? And so when we look at the symptoms of our vices that do I love inanimate objects more than I love people, I got a problem. When I love money and I use people, I got a problem. But if I'm using money to love people, hello, I might be working it out. So the desire for more money, more money, more money leads to harmful desires that lead to more issues. Words quoted, quoted by Christopher Wallace, also known as Biggie Smalls, the notorious B.I.G., simply said, more money, more problems. And we know how his tragic life ended. The more money he got, the more problems he had. And yet, in this same hip-hop generation, their song came out, it's all about the Benjamins. They have all different kind of tracks about how money or put it in the bag. All kind of things that it don't matter about the price tag. I can get it, I can buy it because I have it. I have a mansion on my wrist. When they're rapping about all these things, all they point out that all I love is money. And yet, we don't think we got the symptoms because we're quoting these lyrics. We know what they say. And then we act like, oh, I don't want that. But as soon as you walk up in the store, you want everything that you see. I, my mama got so tired of me. I know my mama verbatim. Every time I was about to say something, I knew what she's about to say. So I stopped asking because she let me know that money don't grow on trees. Every time I want to get something, she just looked at me and she didn't say no. She didn't say yes. She didn't say maybe. She just looked at me and says, money don't grow on trees. She was showing me that I came to the grocery store to get what we need, not what you want. It woke me up that every time I thought she went to the store, she was going for me. She let me know. Now, I'm not going for you, but I'm going for the whole household that everybody might have something when we walk back up in this place. That's why we say, give us this day our daily bread. So I would like us to see why we should be praying sincerely. Tell your neighbor sincerely. Give us this day our daily bread. 
First, to be sincere in our prayer, we need to have a heart of dependence. Because when we're looking to the Father to supply our every need, we so need not to worry about what's going to come tomorrow. Because we're only depending on him. Then our focus will lead us to do the will of the Father, knowing that the Father will take care of his children. Just as God provided for Israel in the wilderness, he can do the same for you. Can you believe it? God already knowing what they needed in the wilderness, knowing that they left a place that gave them everything that they thought they need while they were in chains. He sent them out and they thought that they had nothing to eat. They woke up one morning, saw stuff looking like dew, didn't know what it was. So it translated manna. What is that? <laughs> Go do your word research. You'll find out that's where it came from. They didn't know what it was. What is that? That's how we call it, manna. And they said it tastes better than all this stuff put together. And every day, the Lord provided for them. Look at this closely here. That he provided them so much so that they didn't have to go back out on the Sabbath. He told them, collect what you need on Friday so you can rest on Saturday. Some of them were so greedy, they got up the next day. Went out looking, saw nothing there. Moses got indignant, mad at them, say, don't you trust your father? Did he not say, collect what you need? Collect what you need. Why is that? Matthew 6, 33 says, the kingdom of God, seek ye what? The kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these other things will be added on. means God will provide your need. Just do his will. Just do what he asks you to. Just only depend on him. Like that beautiful hymn says, I dare not lean on anything but only stress on Jesus' name, on Christ the solid rock. I stand all all other ground is sinking saying, when I'm trusting in Jesus and only depending on him, I know I can stand. I can stand what? I can stand to face tomorrow. Because I know who holds tomorrow in his hand. I can stand to face no matter the storms that come my way because great is he that's in me. The he that is in this world. I can stand no matter who's going to be present, no matter what the economy is going to do, no matter what my job think they're going to do. I know I can stand because I'm not depending on them. But I'm intending on my father to give me this day my daily bread. So when we learn to depend, our dependence realize that we're looking and looking towards the kingdom, that we see that God will not be slack. Second, we learn this is, is how not only do we depend on, we learn how to be content. To be content, we have to look at Paul, who gave us that great, great verse. In Philippians 4, chapter verses 11 to 13, says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. He says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. To learn to be content is to know that how, how to be satisfied with what you have and not look for what you do not have. Know that times may come where you have a lot and times will come where you may have little. But through those same times, you both know through those circumstances, you are only depending on the Lord. And when you're depending on the Lord, just as Paul, you'll be seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. Tell your neighbor, God will add everything else on. 
And so you don't have to worry about everything else because you know who's going to give you everything else. A child does not come home, you know, glory be to God, a child should not have to come home worrying about how they're going to eat. Because oftentimes if a mother and a father's in the position and the ability to take care of that child, they come home saying everything's going to be taken care of. When you hear children talking about how their mothers and fathers sacrificed for them, saying how, I, I remember Alan Iverson said his mom did not pay the light bill just to give him some shoes. So he can play basketball. And he said that's how much he loves his mom, that she was willing to do this for her son. How much more, how much more, how much more will our father not provide for our every need? Now, we may not have what we want, but we may have what we need. Having what we need means this, that you can deal with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> Though you know you wanted to go to McDonald's. Being content, learning to be content means that though you used to have $20, you only have $2. And you know how with $2 you can go get some ramen noodles. And it will last you for the week. Come on now. I, I, I remember in college it was like 50 cents. Get you that little pack, put, find some water from the water fountain, put it in the bowl, put it in the microwave. And learn to be content. Tuna fish and crackers was a great lunch. Learn to be content. My mama was blessed me that she sent me a care pack. It wasn't much in the care pack, but it was enough. I learned to be content. She sent me to make yourself tuna fish and crackers. Had mayonnaise and relish in the tuna fish. Put that bad boy in the can. Stir it up. Boy, I was in town. That's all I need. It was good enough. And you know, every college student know how about microwave popcorn. Good enough. You learn to be content. Learn to be content means that though I, I don't have what I would like to have, I have what I need. Paul said, I, I've been rich. I've been a base. But through it all, I was content. And he realized that it wasn't because I was good. It's not because I am great, but because of Jesus that's in me. Anybody here glad that he will never leave us nor forsake us, even if we may be in a bad circumstance, in troubled situations, might be in some troubled water. We know that he can still say peace, be still. Why is that? Because I don't have to worry about a thing because my Lord will satisfy my need. And doing this leads us to the last part of how we learn to be content. And the last part, before I, I, I get to that, I jump ahead of myself. I just want to highlight one more thing about when you learn to be content. When you learn to be content and you're depending on the Lord, you don't worry about a thing. Matthew 6, chapter, you look at the latter part, he talks about worrying. He says, the birds don't reap nor sow, but they always got food to eat. And if you don't believe me, go wash your car. You'll see evidence. And if they always have food to eat. Deacon Wilder and I, one time, uh, two summers ago, it was hot outside. Remember, we were standing outside. It was hot. A squirrel came down the wall, went to the water coming out from the air conditioning, and sat there and just said, I'm in town today drinking the water. 
I said, how does this squirrel know that he got water daily right there provided for him? Because we run in the air to tell, tell your neighbor, the Lord will provide. He took the, the air conditioning unit that we use to supply his water. Help somebody out. God can use anything and everything to supply our needs. That's why you don't got to worry about a thing. My last illustration, Dr. Leo Cleo talk about how he had a bad day from his professor, got a bad grade, and he's walking back with a sad face into his uh, uh, dormitory building, and it was snowing on that day, but said as he was walking up, he saw a squirrel looking at him, and he was looking at the squirrel, and while he was looking at the squirrel, the squirrel was just going. And he says, how can it be that that squirrel with all the snow on the ground, can find somebody's chocolate chip cookie <laughs> and have him a gold made meal. He says, I know the Lord can't provide. <laughs> can anybody here understand that? That if he could provide for a squirrel in the middle of winter, provide for a squirrel in the depths of summer, can he not provide for his children? That's why I can depend on him and be content on him. And since I'm depending on him and content with it, you know what I do next? The last one, how I can do a great, I just give him thanks. This leads us to say, Lord, I thank you. (laughs) Our contentment and our gratefulness comes as Ephesians 5.20 says, And give thanks for everything to God the Father in name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And way to give thanks to him is just to serve in your local church. Serve in your local community. These are ways to give thanks. You can give thanks each day by praying each day to God. Provide my daily bread. So, Lord, I thank you for yesterday. Now, I'm going to come back to you again to provide for me today. But, you know, one way I kind of left out, but I kind of alluded to it. One simple way just to say thank you. Just say thank you. We teach it to the kids all the time. When you give them something before they can let go of it out of your hand, you make them look at it with a stern face because you say, I know I taught you better all in that look. And they look at it and they say, thank you. Then you let go. And when you te- go out with them and they go to somebody, if they said it, you make sure they say, what do you say? Thank you. But yeah, we got a God that wakes us up every morning. And we can rush out the house. We can make sure we got coffee, we have breakfast, we brush our teeth, we read the newspaper, we see our favorite news morning show, whatever it may be. Listen to your favorite radio show, whatever it may be. But in all that time, do you make sure to say thank you for one more day, one more opportunity to see? I'll tell you one thing, I'm thankful for every morning I wake up, hallelujah, I see a beautiful face right by my side. It could be another situation. I wake up, I don't see it, but no, I thank the Lord that I see it because to be present with who you love, oh, that's another day of gratitude. And one way we can look at how to give him thanks, I close as I read, open us up in the words of Psalm 100 says, shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness, not with sadness. Come before him singing with joy. Can I highlight something real quick here? We came to worship him. We didn't come here for him to see us. So I just wanted to highlight that some of us need to change our attitude when we walk up in here. We walk up in here like it's about us. 
that you ought to greet me, that you ought to shake my hand. First, you better thank the Lord. You better greet him. You better come with him with gladness. And then once that gladness gets contagious, you start shaking somebody. I'm glad you're here too. He's been good to you. He's been good to me. Oh, let's worship him with gladness. And why is that? Because we acknowledge that he is God. When I look at that, it points out to us that the Lord, Jehovah, Adonai, point out that he is God. You know, the predicate modifies the subject. And the predicate is God. The subject is the Lord. Which means he is sovereign, he is supreme, he is king, all by himself. And I thank the Lord that he is king, king of kings, host of hosts. He is all in all. That's why I got an intimate relation with the king. He's not just the king, he's my daddy. And my father made us, and we are his, we are his people. The sheep of his pasture for Israel that looked upon how God chose them out of Egypt to come out into the wilderness. But they, but that's why God had to let them know. It goes way back to Abraham. I chose Abraham when he didn't know no, nothing while he was out there in Ur. And I pulled him out and took him to Canaan. And he goes out, but that's Abraham thing. He knows something. But let me go all the way back. Moses, tell him all the way about Adam. I formed you with a purpose. And for all this purpose, for all that he's made us, for all his salvation, for all that he's done for us, we should enter his gates. With thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That's why we call this the sanctuary. It means it's dedicated for his purpose. So we should come with thanksgiving. We should come with praise. And praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Tell your neighbor that his blessings don't stop. So if he's going to give me today my daily bread, guess what he's going to give me tomorrow? They don't stop. If he blessed me yesterday, hello somebody, can he do it today? His blessings don't stop. If he bless you down the block, I'm waiting my turn because he's in the neighborhood. The blessings don't stop. He says, Get, bring your tithes and offerings into, into this place. And guess what? So he said, I'll open up the window. Pour you out a blessing, you won't have room for why? Because the blessings don't stop. He said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Why more abundantly? Because the blessings don't stop. He says, Though who live in me, though they may die, yet they shall live. Why is that? I won't I won't stop living because the blessings don't stop. I've come to give you eternal life. How long is eternal life? Tell your neighbor, it don't stop. And so that's why when we say, give us this day, our daily bread, we should move into a point of praise and, and adoration and say, thank you, Lord, for yesterday. Thank you for today. And I'll be back. Because I depend on you. I'm content with you. And, Lord, I thank you. So go deeper in your prayer life. Then your time of prayer to look at the Lord, so Lord, just give me what I need. So we will be careful that we won't be like a, in the Proverbs 30, I believe it's verses 6, verses 8 in Proverbs 30, talk about how I don't want to become rich that I profane your name. That we got to be careful that if we become something that we don't want to be, that we will profane his name or we will steal and lie and cheat. But Lord, if you just give me what I need, I'll learn how to be satisfied. 
if you need some help how to be satisfied, I challenge you. I challenge you. I challenge you. I challenge you. I challenge you this week. It's to look how much money you spent last week on your lunch, on your dinner, on your breakfast, your snacks, and say, Lord, I'm only going to do this much. And learn to be content with a granola bar you got from the grocery store a ham sandwich, or a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Instead of spending $5 at those places, you know they got all those $5, right? You know, oh, he gets this for $5. Imagine each day you did not spend $5. But you said, Lord, I'm gonna depend on my groceries. And look how you can learn to be content. People might look at you funny. Why you got a sack lunch? Or why are you bringing your lunch from home? Why don't you go out to this? But you say, I'm content with what the Lord's given me. That's an opportunity for you to testify to them why you're not going out like you normally do. And let them know I'm being content with what my wife made me or my husband made me or what my children made me. I'm content with that. I challenge you. Because when you look at it, we start realizing that I depend on somebody else more than I depend on me because most of the time we just depend on ourselves. Oh, I know what I'm going to eat. I got money in my pocket, so I choose what I want. But it's different when you already got it prepared. That's all you got. That's all you got. That, that sounds in them chips, all you got. Learn to be content. Say, Lord, give me today my daily bread. Give me all that I need. And, Lord, I'll be grateful for all that you give me. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Lord, we just come right now just grateful that you are a perfect supplier. That, Father, Lord, you never leave us lacking. You'd never leave us wanting, for you are our shepherd. And so, Lord, we come right now with a grateful heart, just grateful for all that you've done for us. And, Father, Lord, I, I pray right now there might be someone here who's struggling with the, the symptoms for the love of money. That, Father, Lord, they can be convicted right now in their heart and learn to depend and trust in you to make them rich in your grace and your mercy and through salvation. To know, Lord, you can supply their every need better than this world ever can. And, Lord, I pray right now, if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord, today, that someone might say, Lord, today, I give my life to you. And, Lord, we will be so mindful and be so grateful to praise your holy name. Amen. May we stand and extend the hand of